Good morning. Uh, I bring you greetings from City Square that you all have been in partnership for quite a while now. And I began this work uh, at City Square as the Director of Faith-Based Partnerships in January. But before that, I, I preached uh, for Churches of Christ in Denver, Colorado, and then uh, more recently in Allen, Texas. And Dallas uh, has been home for generations for our family uh, it's good to be with you today, and uh, I'm grateful for Doug and, and the elders giving me this opportunity to share the word uh, with you this morning. I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles with you, to open up to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 4 is where uh, I'm going to read from here, uh, the story of Jesus and uh, a story that some of you may be familiar with, but I hope this morning that, uh, that there will be new insight, new hope uh, that you get to leave with today. Uh, maybe some challenge as well as we uh, open, our word, uh, open the Word of God this morning. Mark 4, beginning in verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. And waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Let us pray as we open God's word together this morning. God, I am grateful for this church body, for the ways they have been faithful through the generations and for the mission you continue to call them out on. I'm grateful for the students this week who were just with us serving in Dallas, uh, those who uh, were looking for food for their families, God. And uh, God, I pray that more than just full bellies, God, that we would um, be filled this morning with your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in ways that are unique to us. Um, God, there are many of us that feel stirrings in our lives, callings toward particular work. And uh, that's true in our workplaces. It's true in our schools. It's true on mission throughout this city, this county, and beyond. And so, God, I pray this morning as you, uh, that you would pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts, that we might look more like Jesus this week. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, if you're familiar with the gospel story, Jesus begins in the gospel of Mark, preaching and teaching as one who had authority. It's clear that Jesus is different than the other teachers and rabbis that people have come across. He's healing people. There are all kinds of miracles that happen in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. But all of this that takes place prior to this story and what will follow in chapter 5 takes place on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. Up to this point, the disciples have followed Jesus on their home turf in Capernaum and surrounding cities in this region of Galilee. It's in Jewish territory, in synagogues and around the land of synagogues. Yes, there were people who were coming from all over to see the work and the miracles that Jesus was doing. Obviously, when you're healing people like he did, it's a spectacle. People are coming from all over. They want to know more about this man and his message. 
But then Jesus says a phrase in this passage that's going to shift uh, the trajectory of where the disciples and Jesus will go from here on. And that phrase is this, let us go over to the other side. And as I sat with the text uh, over the last few weeks, this has been the phrase that has stood out to me. Let us go over to the other side. And so I want to dwell in that word this morning. And I'm wondering today, the question I want to leave you with and start with this morning is, what is the other side for you? Many of us grew up in different places and different settings. And so the other side may look far different depending on our experiences and our background. But this call of Jesus is still a call for us today to not just stay in our places of comfort, but to be willing to go and venture into places that are the other side. The other side can take all kinds of forms. But when my family arrived in Dallas in 1997, we came back from Southern California. My dad was a preacher, and so we we preached there. But when we came back, we came back to, well, Dallas, North Dallas. And you don't have much context here, but we moved on the west side of this highway, Highway 75, the west side of Central Expressway near Medical City Hospital, if you can imagine, just south of 635. That was the area of town we moved too. In fact, my dad's family has called the west side of 75 home for over 100 years now from my great-grandfather who was the first to move to the city of Dallas. And for all 100 years, we've made our home west of Central Expressway. And interestingly, when my family moved back from uh, a ministry in Denver that where we were, we moved to the west side of Central, but it was up further north in Allen where I served at the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ. But in high school, when we lived at this location, again, on the west side, on the left side there of the, the screen, there was another location that we would go to anytime we needed gas, and it was on the east side of 75 there on Forest, the racetrack station. I assume we went there because gas tended to be a little cheaper at this racetrack station on the east side of 75. And as soon as we would cross under the highway from the west side, things would change on the east side of 75. It felt like another world on the other side of 75. And as a 15-year-old, I, I could even sense it. It wasn't something that had to be said. There were different kind of businesses on the east side of 75. On the west side, there was, there was a Taco Bueno, a Boston Market, a Chipotle. The, there was a ticket broker. This was the days before StubHub and online ticket uh, brokers. On the east side, though, well, businesses were a little different. There was a post office, but there, there was a liquor store right there by the racetrack. There was a payday lender not too far away. The kinds of people on each side of 75 were different. On, on the east side of 75, I noticed there were, there were more African-American people on that side than on the west side that was predominantly white. There were different kinds of activities that were going on. On the west side, there were people in their cars that were driving, trying to get to the highway to go north or south to jobs or, or maybe to entertainment options in Dallas. On the east side of 75, I noticed there were far more people who were walking around, uh, carrying backpacks, getting to places in different ways. So dad would park at this racetrack station and go in to pay, and, and I would remain in the car. And I remember having this feeling of unease at times as I looked and saw people that were sitting by the gas station that were walking from here to there. In fact, I remember at times I would lock the door until he would get back to make sure that I was safe in the car. I, I'm embarrassed to admit that now, this feeling of unease. In fact, even in those days, I, I wouldn't say anything to my dad about this. I mean, we were not supposed to point out the unease that we felt or to talk about these kinds of things. 
This was the 1990s. It was good to be colorblind and not acknowledge these differences. And, and, and I'm realizing now that there's more to this story than what I knew in those days. I wish I had language for it. I wish I had a story then. I wish I knew how the gospel spoke to this kind of ministry, to this kind of life. See, the feeling I had on the other side of 75 wasn't accidental or incidental. Actually, it was designed this way. The city had been carved up and intentionally created to feel differently on the different sides of this highway. You see, before there was Central Expressway, this thoroughfare had once been a railroad line. And so when you hear about crossing the tracks, that was actually the way it was here at Central Expressway before the highway came in. When we crossed 75, we were literally crossing the tracks. And, and just behind that racetrack station, I didn't know there was, a, there was a dart station that was right there. Because we didn't take dart to downtown, we would drive in. I, I didn't realize that that's why so many were walking from place to place. But these differences were not just the result of railroad tracks and the dart line. This racetrack station was situated in a neighborhood that had a name, Hamilton Park. And Hamilton Park was established in the 1950s. It had a history. It was established with certain aims and certain neighbors in mind. Hamilton Park came into existence because of the city of Dallas's decision to expand Love Field Airport. And in order to expand Love Field, the city had to pass a bond election, which created a desperate need for black housing in the city. And so the city de uh, decided to establish a neighborhood on the far outskirts of Dallas. Yes, at that time, this area wasn't in the center of the city. It was, it was on the far outskirts of town. And it would become known as Hamilton Park. See, the geographies of our cities are far less accidental than we like to imagine. And the impact of these bond elections and transformation of neighborhoods shapes how we see the world. Decisions like these can add years or subtract decades from our life. In fact, did you know that just within two miles of each other in the city of Dallas, just zip codes that are just a little bit away from each other, in zip code 75204, this is old East Dallas, in particular, this study talked about men and their life expectancy lived 90.1 years on average, but just two miles south in zip code 75215, men are expected to live just 63.6 years on average. I mean, just look at those numbers for a moment. That's 26 years of disparity just based on where one is born and where one lives. And as I've come to work at City Square, I've realized that there are a lot of factors that lead to this. And the people of God are, are being called on to, to wonder, what can we do to change this reality? What can we do to make sure the good news is shared, but also that people are fed, that transportation is possible, that housing is a need that everyone should be able to, to take care of? This is what the kingdom of God calls us in the, uh, to, to see happens all over the city. So there's that phrase, let us go over to the other side that I mentioned. And I'm wondering how Jesus might be inviting us from our various backgrounds to go over to the other side. For some of us, it may be that going over to the east side. For some of us, we may have grown up in, in, in a situation of poverty or not enough resources. And it may be going to another place that is a challenge for us in different ways. It's not one direction. But where is God calling you to stretch your comfort zone? How is God calling you out of what you know and are comfortable with in order to stretch you for the expansion of God's kingdom here in Kaufman County. Over the past couple of years through the COVID-19 pandemic, many people have been reassessing their lives. There was this moment where we finally 
could maybe take a breath long enough, that we were stuck in isolation for a season. I think a lot of us were asking questions about, is what I'm doing what I want to do for the rest of my life? Is there a transition that God might be calling you to, uh, us to? We did a lot of reflection over the last few years to think, what, what is it that is the calling that God's going to call us to? As we step out of this, what is, what is God calling this church to in the midst of this season as well? Churches across the country are, are dealing with diminished numbers, many of us, as some have chosen not to come back after this in person. Not everyone has come back in so many churches. And not only that, you, you live in a county that's changing as well. Right? There are all kinds of houses being built. People are coming to Kaufman County, and that causes a, a church to ask the question, what is God up to, and what, what is God stretching us to be engaged in as we engage in mission around? And so as we spend time in, in Mark 4 this morning, I want to invite you to consider what might Jesus be saying to you in this story? What might it mean for Jesus to say these, the same phrase to you in the season, let us go over to the other side. What is the other side that Jesus might be calling you into in this season? So in Mark chapter four, a crowd had formed around Jesus, right? He's there at the Sea of Galilee and crowds love a good spectacle. Crowds enjoy seeing miracles. And these crowds had come to hear from this one who taught with authority. But in Mark four, Jesus is not just gathering crowds and trying to grow them and grow more. No, he says, Disciples, it's time for us to get in the boat. It's time for us to go to the other side. Jesus is calling them to leave Jewish territory. And what we're going to read in Mark 5 is they go over to this area of the Gerasenes. They go over to a cemetery. A guy named Legion is there. They're going into Gentile territory. In fact, many of these disciples, they were fishermen. They, they may have never been over to the other side, but they'd heard stories about the other side, about the Gentile lands. And as they set sail for the other side, a furious squall begins to crash waves over the boat. And even these experienced fishermen, they're afraid. And so they look for this one who'd done miracles before, and, and Jesus is asleep in the boat. <laughs> I remember this story uh, with flannel graphs being shown gr growing up, right, as the teacher would show, and imagining the waves and maybe some scenes I'd seen in movies from Jesus' stories, trying to imagine what it would be like. Where is Jesus fast asleep? While they worried about the storm, he's not having trouble sleeping at all. While they worry about what awaits them on the other side, Jesus isn't worried. Have you ever been in this situation where you're wondering, if where is God in the midst of all this? The waves seem to be crashing over the side, and Jesus doesn't seem to be listening. So it doesn't seem to be present. Maybe he's sleeping like a story like this. But I think this story reminds us that sometimes the silence of God doesn't mean that God is absent. Maybe it's just that God isn't nearly as concerned or worried as we are about the prayers we offer. I know he's concerned about us. He's concerned about the prayers we offer, the wishes and the prayers that we pray. But I don't think God's near as worried about the world and its state of affairs as often we find ourselves. So the disciples' words to Jesus in the midst of this as they cry out to him, as they wake him up from his slumber... We see that Jesus isn't as worried even as he awakes from what happens. And he has a power that they don't have present. In fact, the words they, these disciples say to Jesus in this scene, they sound a lot like my prayers at, at times. I want to go back to that in Mark 4, verse 38. 
Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? <laughs> Anyone say those words to God this week? God, where are you? God, why does it seem like we're drowning? God, why do you not hear the cries of children in schools in Uvalde? What? Where are you, God, in the midst of all the challenges in our world? This story has been a, a little bit of my journey over the past year. In the spring of 2021, I, I left the comfort of a calling I'd known for, for 20 years. For seven years, I had educated and trained myself, been a part of internships, hoping that I would be able to, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in a local church. And for 13 years, I lived into that calling. I served as the senior minister for churches in Denver and most recently in Allen, Texas. And it was, it was a calling I enjoyed. It's calling I felt was meaningful. There, was, there were crowds I was responsible for in, in these churches, but it was becoming clear that a new calling was emerging in my life. It was as if Jesus was saying, Colin, you've been comfortable in this sphere of work, but I'm calling you, let's go to the other side. So I left my job. I went to my elders and I said, elders, I'm grateful for the work we've done together. I, I know God's continuing to work in this place, but I think there's a new calling that's emerging in my life. And I left that job without really having another job because of this call of Jesus that I sensed to go to the other side. And there were moments of questioning in that season, of course, as I rode out on the waters trusting that God would provide. There were moments of fear, of family I was needing to care for in the midst of this season. There were plenty of people in the crowd that I heard the murmurs. Uh, is Colin having a midlife crisis? Why would Colin leave his job without having a clear sense of what's coming next? But today... I bring you a word from the other side. More specifically, I bring you a word from the other side of another highway in Dallas, I-30. Because in January, as has been mentioned, I started this new work at City Square. And if you've never heard of City Square or been there, some of your students were there just this week in our food pantry as we were serving families that don't have enough food to make sure that they had food. And I was just amazed by their service and their willingness to help in the ways that they did. Uh, but City Square is a place that started as a food pantry, started as what you may have heard of Central Dallas Ministries or Central Dallas Food Pantry out of the Preston Road Church of Christ. And over the years, we've expanded from that relief work of feeding people to making sure people have an opportunity to have a hand up in life, wraparound services to make sure they have legal services and a health clinic that we work with, uh, with, with all kinds of services from financial empowerment to helping those who are aging out of the foster care system to find their next stage in life. There are so many things I could share this morning about the work that we do, but it was certainly life on the other side of what I was used to. At City Square, we fight the causes and effects of poverty through service, advocacy, and friendship. And what began in 1988 as a food pantry the dream of, well, a, a real estate agent in University Park who saw people digging into trash cans in the city, realizing this isn't how the world should work, has now emerged in the most comprehensive poverty-fighting nonprofit in North Texas. And so I bring you greetings from the other side, specifically the other side of my personal journey on this calling of God uh, to another kind of territory, but I bring you greetings also from the other side of I-30 in South Dallas where resources are often not as abundant as they are in other parts of the city. Now, while I'm not, uh, while I'm not traveling around the city to connect with congregations like yours who donate and volunteer and partner, I do a lot of that work traveling around to do that. 
I office at our Opportunity Center, which is located strategically between downtown and, and Fair Park on the south side of I-30. We have these programs, there are these wraparound services to, to meet people and to find out what is your deep, true need. And we pray with them and we, we find ways to help them. And it's amazing the stories that I get to see in this work that's very different from the work I did in full-time church ministry. These, these inequities, though, in our city, they remain consistent when it comes to all kinds of categories, from education to health outcomes to economic uh, opportunities and resources. And I-30 has become this physical barrier. You, you know I-30 in our city as it goes, cuts across the city. It's, it's a large gulf between north and south Dallas. I-30 divides the city into northern and southern sectors, and there's roughly the same amount of area on the north side of the city as there is on the south side. But catch this, southern Dallas accounts for only 15% of the tax base uh, in Dallas. 15%, even though the area is about equal on the north and south side of 30. Yes, something is broken in our city, and Scripture commands us to be filled with a concern for those who are impoverished, for those who are imprisoned, that when we feed those and clothe those who need it most, we're actually doing it and we find Jesus on the other side. And so in Dallas, I-30 has been this barrier that has stopped up this river of justice, this flow of righteousness that God wants to see a never-flowing stream, as Isaiah talks about. And if I'm honest, there's something inside of me that, that still feels a bit of a fear as I cross I-30. Because in the circles I grew up in, you were reminded that you weren't to stay in South Dallas for long. You go to the state fair, and then you go back to the part of the suburbs that you grew up in. You, you go to a concert at the amphitheater, and then you get out of there. And that brings me back to this story in Mark chapter 4 about the fear that these disciples have. Because I remember growing up on the flannel graph that as I saw the storm, it was the storm I knew they were afraid of. And certainly the waves crashing over are what creates this fear for them to wake Jesus up. But I think there's more going on about the fear these disciples have. I, I want to go back and I want to read from Mark 4, verses 39 to 41, and listen again closely as you think about what it is that they're really afraid of in this story. He got up, that's Jesus, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. As I said, I, I imagine this storm had to have created great fear in them. If you've ever been in a boat in the midst of a storm or uh, it can certainly create a lot of concern about, are we going to get out of this situation? But I want you to notice that when Jesus calms the storm, their fear is not gone at that moment. When the sea is calm, Jesus still has an important question for them. Why are you so afraid? Not why were you so afraid as I was sleeping? Why did you feel the need to wake me up out of my slumber? No, he says, why are you so afraid? Even after the storm has been calm, the fear is still present with these disciples. See, I don't think that disciples' fear started when those waves started crashing in the boat. I think the disciples' fear started when Jesus said that phrase we've been dwelling on this morning, let us go over to the other side. Because all their lives they had been warned not to go into Gentile territory. 
It's the same kind of fear that the disciples or the apostles are going to feel in the book of Acts as they're called beyond Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's that feeling of fear in them. They're in the upper room and, and Jesus says, you're going to be my, my missionaries. You're going to be my ambassadors. You're going to be my witnesses all throughout this area. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come on you and then you're going to go. And it takes persecution before the church really expands and goes out. It's comfortable to stay where we know even in the midst of the fear of what may have been around them. But all their lives they've been, been afraid. They've been warned about Gentile territory. Maybe they've been warned about this very guy, Legion, that they're going to come across in Mark chapter 5, this crazy man in the cemetery that was chained down. But in the book of Acts, it's going to be incumbent on this church not to be afraid but to realize they're filled with the Holy Spirit of God to go into new places so that the gospel might be advanced. See, when you grow up being taught to fear people on the other side, it can be difficult to cross whatever barriers you were taught not to cross. But I have found again and again that the barriers we are taught not to cross and the people we are taught to fear prevent us from encountering the love of God in diverse people who are created in God's image. I grew up in a set of churches that taught me to see anyone outside of our churches as, as lost and outside of the truth. But in my travels on the other side, I, I've discovered the fruit of the Spirit in people who attended some different churches. I found that some of those barriers prevented me from seeing the full body of Christ all throughout the world. I, I grew up in a cultural position that taught me to fear and look down on the poor. But in my travels on the other side, I have found that the that the love, uh, I found love and depend on God much more on those who are in a different tax bracket. I see people who are more dependent on the love of God and the neighbors that I serve and get to see every day. I grew up in a racial class that taught me to fear black and brown people, but in my travels on the other side, I have found brothers and sisters in Christ who work for righteousness and justice alongside me in this city. See, it turns out that my fear of the other side was unwarranted. And our fear of the other side can often hurt our public witness. Our fear of the other side can prevent the kingdom of God from coming on earth as it is fully and will be in heaven. And that's the fear I believe that Jesus is trying to cure these disciples of as they're in this boat. Yes, there's the fear of the waves. But when the waves are calm, there's still a fear of what they're about to enter into. And I think it's great that Jesus can calm the storm, but I think what he truly wants to remove in these disciples is their fear of the other side, of the people they would encounter, of the mission that they were about to enter into. Because there's a, a demon-possessed man named Legion who awaits their arrival on the other side who's going to get to experience freedom because they are willing to cross to the other side. But it's not just evil on the other side that needs the healing power of Jesus. It's the evil fear that lurks in the disciples that needs to be cast out as well. And so I wonder this morning, as we dwell on this phrase that Jesus says to the disciples, let us go over to the other side. What might the other side look like in your life in this season? What fear might lurk in you as you imagine people and places and missions that you might be called on in this season? What nostalgia for comfort needs to be cast out in you as Jesus is calling you into a boat to what may be next? See, fear is a poisonous cocktail that many will tempt you with 
in these dark times. There are leaders all over the place in our cities and churches across the country that will use fear in order to push an agenda of some kind. But I'm here to remind you there is nothing to fear. This is the often repeated command over and over in Scripture. Do not be afraid. The Lord our God goes with you. It's not that we're not to be afraid because there aren't things to fear. That's almost never the case in these commands that are throughout Scripture. No, the reminder is you don't have to be afraid because there's a God who marches with you. There's a God who will be with you. This Holy Spirit that calls you on mission will be there with you no matter where you may go. So the early church had two options after Jesus left them and ascended to heaven in the book of Acts. They could have stayed on their side of the sea, could have stayed in Jerusalem, could continue to tell their message just within the walls of the people who already knew the message of Jesus, saw the resurrection, or they could choose to go to the other side. And they chose well. They faced whatever fears they had. They entered into uh, places all over the world. And many of them, well, they would pay the price for this decision, those apostles. Many of them would, would die as martyrs as a result of the faith that they professed. Thanks be to God that they chose to go to the other side. Because sometimes it can be easy to forget that if they had not ventured over to the other side, well, we wouldn't be here as Christians today. It's easy as you read the story of Scripture to think of yourselves as the Israelites, the Hebrews, the Jewish people, the people who've always been a part of this faithful people of God. But the truth is, there may be a few of us of Jewish descent in this room, but my guess is most of us are Gentiles, right? And that means that at some point, people who were willing to go over to the other side, we were grafted into this story. We were put into this story as a result of people who were willing to come to people such as us. And so thanks be to God that they crossed that sea in Mark chapter 4. And thanks be to God that the early church is willing to cross into foreign lands to that, that, that Peter was willing to go to Cornelius' house, that Paul was willing to be this messenger to the Gentiles. And that same calling and opportunity is available to us as the church. And so what I'm wondering in this season as we close our time this morning is, how might this story speak to you in this season? What mission might God be calling you particularly to? What is it that you feel a passion for that you're trying to rally others and wondering, why does no one care about this as much as I do? What I found is that may be the very voice of God calling you in this season to a particular work that God has empowered you to do. And so I'm excited for the days ahead to see the ways the church will continue to step up, to see the ways that in Kaufman County this church will be a light. I'm praying for you. I'm rooting you on. I'm grateful for this church body. And uh, it's been an honor to be with you today. And I leave you with this challenge that you might wonder what the other side is that God is calling you for. And you might remember there's no reason to be afraid. The same spirit that was involved in those apostles' lives is involved in ours as well. So I want to close with prayer uh, this morning. And uh, again, it's been a, uh, an honor to be with you and to bring the word of God to you this morning. God, we thank you for your calling in our lives beyond the places of comfort that we've come to know so well. Now, there are times in our lives that we need to hunker down. We need to be uh, discipled. We need to be pulled out of the world in order to be uh, firmed up as disciples of yours. And so, God, for some of us, that may be the season we're in is to be growing in your word, to be growing in discipleship, to be learning the word of God, to be applying it to our lives. But, God, we are called together and gathered as a church so that we can be sent out, 
so that we can be sent to the highways and byways and so that we can be sent to clothe those who need clothing, to feed those who are hungry, to share the word of God, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with all who need it. And so God, I pray for this church family as they continue to consider what their sent mission is, God, as they continue to do it as they've done for years. I pray that you continue to bless them, that you would protect them from fear, that you would not just help them cross the sea safely, but you would help them discover, God, that there is no reason to be afraid, that it's actually in engaging on the other side, that we come to know you more deeply, that we come to trust in your power. It's in the name of Jesus, God, that we offer this prayer. Amen.